Good morning. I see you all set your clock ahead. We'll see in about a half hour who didn't. <clears throat> Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14, starting at verse 8. Does anyone need a Bible? If you do, raise your hand. There's one up here. Okay. Acts 14, starting at verse 8. It says, In Lystra there sat a man crippled in his feet, who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul. As he was speaking, Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lysonian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, it might say, uh, Jupiter and Mercury, those are the Roman names for the Greek gods. It's the same thing, just different language. And Paul, they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priests of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Men! Why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God, who has made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony he has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch in Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Interesting story. And what a change takes place in these people. I mean, from wanting to offer sacrifice and worship them to trying to kill them in just a couple of verses. And you think, man, can people be that fickle? But, you know, we know that we can. If any of you are into sports at all, you know how it is. If someone's doing well, they're the hero. If they're in a slump, they're the goat. All it takes is a few games, one big choke, and boy, the crowd comes down on him. Boo, you know, comes up to the plate, boo. Goes up, you know, comes on the court, boo, why? Because he missed that 
three-pointer that could have won the game, and it didn't, you know, so everyone turns on them just because of a few mistakes. President Bush, not the last one, but the Herbert Walker Bush, in one year went from an approval rating of 91% to, read my lips, 32% in just one year. One year. 91% said, yeah, you're the man. It was Desert Storm. One year later, get out of town. People are so fickle. We change our minds so quickly. And we see that taking place, that people are really only happy when they're getting something that they want. And really, they can never get enough. Proverbs 14.20 says, The poor is hated even by his neighbor, but those who love the rich are many. Yeah, because they got money. Everyone loves the rich. Can I be your friend? Proverbs 27.20 says, Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. And isn't that true? When's it enough? It's never enough. The eyes of man are never satisfied. And these people saw what was taking place with Paul and Barnabas. They saw healing. They said, oh, this is good. We need to tap into this. They had a history in their idolatry and worship. And so they believed that this was the gods come among them. Barnabas being Zeus, kind of the big guy, he's probably a big guy, and since Paul spoke, he was Hermes. Hermes was the voice piece for Zeus. He's, he's the one who spoke for Zeus, and that's where we get our, our word hermeneutics in theology is the idea that Jesus is who represents God. In other words, everything is interpreted through Jesus. That's the idea of hermeneutics. It comes from the Greek mythology. And so Paul is speaking. They say, hey, this guy was healed. And we're not going to go into a whole lot of detail about the particulars here. We're going to do that on Thursday night. And I invite you guys to come out as we go through this in depth on Thursday nights. We're going to explain a, a lot of detail because this is Paul's first message that is actually directed at pagans. The, the Jews aren't here. He doesn't go to a synagogue probably because there aren't enough Jews at that time. There had to be 10 families in order to be a synagogue and apparently there wasn't. So he goes directly to those who are pagan. We talked about this last Thursday. The word pagan, you know, we think it means, ooh, it's someone who doesn't know God, but a pagan is actually a country dweller because Previously, God has been ministering in the big cities, and the only people who didn't know about what was going on are those who lived in the country. So they were the pagans. They are the ones that didn't know. And so we're going to go into that a little bit more detail, but what I want to focus on here is that people are fickle, and if we don't put our trust in the right things, we're going to be the same way. Jesus said in John 6, 26, he answered, he says, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. In other words, a lot of people were following Jesus for a free meal. That's all they wanted. Hey, we can get some free food from Jesus. 
You guys know what that's like. Denny's had a, a, what was it, that Grand Slam breakfast for 99 cents? There were lines going out the door. It was supposed to be something to help, you know, those who were homeless and in need, but some of you went anyway because you just wanted the 99-cent breakfast. You didn't need, it's just, hey, it's 99 cents, I want to go to Denny's. I can get it for nothing. Yeah, I got a deal, wait in line and get a mediocre breakfast for 99 cents. We follow that. We, we want the free meal. And we go for those things, and the people, they're the same. There was a, a captain who actually went to Hawaii before it was the Hawaiian Islands, when it was Sandwich Islands. His name was James Cook. And when he came to Hawaii, it was at a season of their worship that they thought this outsider, someone coming on a boat, they'd never seen anything like that, and so they thought he was the god Lono. That's how it's pronounced, L-O-N-O. I don't know what it means besides that, so don't ask me. Anyway, they thought James Cook was this god Lono, and he came in and he thought, great, I'm God. I'm God on Hawaii. <laughs> that, how, hey, that sounds pretty good. And he took advantage of the people. He had his way with the women. And one guy got upset. And when James Cook turned around, the guy smacked him in the back of the head with a club, knocked him down, put a big gash in his head. He was bleeding. And he started groaning on the ground. And the guy says, God doesn't groan and he doesn't bleed. And James's, James Cook, his goose was cooked. They killed him. He pretended to be something he wasn't. He pretended to be something he could not satisfy. As these people saw Paul and Barnabas and went to worship them, they were settling for something way less than what God wanted for them and who God is. Paul and Barnabas, being Jews, immediately said, this is blasphemy. As they started speaking in their own language, they probably didn't understand right away what the commotion is. They go in there and they're saying, it's the, you know, it's the voice, it's God come among us, it's Zeus and it's, you know, Hermes, here they are. And they're like, what are they saying? Because they were saying it in their own language. You ever been in someone's language and they're talking and you don't speak that language and you wonder what they're saying? You know, ladies, when you go to the beauty salon and they're talking and you wonder, are they talking about me? I don't know that. I just hear, hear about those things, you know. What are they saying? And they all start laughing. And it's like, are they making fun of my toes? You know, what's going on? What, what is happening? You don't know. And so Paul and, and Barnabas are like, what's going on? And when they finally realize it, they run in there. They tear their clothes and say, we're men. We have the same passions, the same weaknesses that you do. We're just humans. Don't do this. If we're not careful, we set our sights so low. Even as we prayed this morning before we got started in, in that last song, it's sometimes very easy to lose focus and vision of eternal things because we are so caught up in temporary things. And our, our focus becomes very tunnel vision. 
what do you want to devote your life to? In other words, what do you want to worship? Because where you devote your life is what you worship. Where you spend your time and put your effort in, the most, that's what means the most to you. I know you have to work. I know we have to do all those things. But where is your energy spent? Where are your thoughts? Where are you? What's the prime concern and motivation of your life? What is it? Is God in there anywhere? Or are your sights lower? In verses 14 and 15, when they saw this, they tore their clothes, they shouted, we're just men. In verse 15 it says, men, why are you doing this? We too are only humans like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. You guys, what are you doing worshiping us? We're bringing you good news. What's the good news? There's the God who made everything, the heavens, the earth. And we see this theme kind of take place throughout Paul's ministry. This little message is really short and sweet, and it's very similar to what's going to take place in chapter 17 when he's in Athens. And we see him even talking about this in Romans 1, verse 18 to 20. He says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness since, they, since what may be known about God is plain to them. In other words, you can see it because God has made it plain to them for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what he has made so that men are without excuse. The psalmist said the same thing. Our God is in heaven. He does, not, he does whatever he pleases, but their idols in silver and gold made with hands of men. They have mouths, but they cannot speak, eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, they cannot hear, noses, but they can't smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel, feet, but they cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. In other words, you worship idols, they're useless, and you'll be useless too. They don't see, you'll be blind. They don't hear, you won't hear. They're not able to move. You will not move in the direction that God has called you to because you're ignorant to who he is, and all creation tells of who he is. The psalmist says, the heavens declare the glory of God. They shout out who he is. And if you're caught up in the lower things, you'll miss it. And that's what Paul is saying to them. Guys, what are you looking at us for? We're just people. God made the heavens, the sea and all that's in them. You know, the universe is a pretty amazing thing. It, it's bigger than we can imagine. I don't know how well you can see this, but yeah, you can't see it real good. Right, right here, that's the earth compared to our sun. Just so you get an idea how big you think you are, you know, if you think, hey, I'm bad. You're, you're on that dot, and that's the sun. If you were to take all the fuel that there is on the earth, all the natural gas, coal, wood, everything, 
that we have on this planet, we could not keep the sun burning for more than a day. And it's going nonstop. Okay, so get, get this image of the sun in your mind because you need to see that this is our sun now compared to these other stars. And Arcturus, that star, is this big compared to our sun, is this big. And you can't really even see the Earth anymore because it's too small in comparison. Okay, it takes a million Earths approximately to fill up the sun. And I don't know how many suns it would take to fill up that, but it's a lot. You get the message. But hold on to that thought because right there, that's Arcturus, the sun that was a lot bigger than our sun. Okay, but Arcturus is just tiny compared to Antares. Where's the earth? Yeah, you wouldn't be able to see it at all. How big is the universe? Now, as huge as these celestial beings are, if you were to take all the volume of all the planets, all the meteors, all the moons, all the suns, and to combine them to just be one solid form of matter compared to the space that's in our known universe, it would be like having a warehouse that is 20 miles wide, 20 miles long, 20 miles high, and have a grain of sand. That would be the total amount of all the material in the known universe. What are you worshiping? Who are you worshiping? Paul said, the God who made the heavens. He made those. It says he, he measures them with the span of his hand. He, he palms the universe like Shaq does a basketball. I always wanted to do that. I had to get those small balls to be able to do it. <laughs> Just be a boom, wrap his hand. God created that. He's bigger than that. Who do we worship? What do you see as valuable? They saw the miracle. They wanted tap into that. They saw these people. That was their focus. And Paul said, God is much bigger than that. But you know, we have a hard time with focus. We really do. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, when he was getting ready to, to start speaking to people, to tell them, this is what I'm about. This is what I have to say. This is what I want you to know about me. I mean, we, we've read this and we have hindsight. But imagine hearing for the very first time, this man is going to start his ministry. He's going to say something that is going to revolutionize the world. And what does he say? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you, but poverty isn't all that motivational for me, you know? When I think of, okay, let's give a motivational speech, I'm not going to start with poverty. But what Jesus is bringing home is that all the things that we would try to hold on to are less than what God is. You see, a lot of times I, I think what we do is we limit God to our wealth. 
to what we have. If I have a $1,000 budget, then God can do $1,000 worth of things. If I've got a $10,000 budget, then God can do $10,000 worth of things. If my income is $40,000 a year, then God's got $40,000 to work with. And we limit God because God created the heavens and the earth. You're thinking in the wrong way. You're seeing in the wrong perspective. And Jesus is coming here and he's saying, you know, you need to recognize your complete bankruptcy. Because then your bank is tapped in to God and not yourself. And what's great is he says the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. In other words, you're not going to go to this kingdom of heaven. It's yours. It, it belongs to you if you are spiritually bankrupt. Because there is a recognition of God who is not spiritually bankrupt. And you see, it's all about that perspective. It's all about how you see God in relationship to your life. And if you are sufficient, then you're going to find out your sufficiency is not very high. And you're setting your standards way too low. And what God is wanting to establish is that his resources are limitless. And we're not limited if we are tapped into him. Verse 15, it's basically an upgrade. You can worship us humans. They rip their clothes to prove, see, it's just skin under here. You can worship us guys or the God who created the heavens and the earth. He goes on in verse 16. He says, in the past, he, God, let all nations go their own way. What does that mean? It means he gave them freedom. One of the things we need to understand about freedom is love is connected to freedom. The freedom to choose is necessary for love. If I would have went up to Corrine before we were married, pulled out a gun, says, you will marry me. Got her to say, I do. Yeah, I might have gotten her to marry me, but I'd have to check my coffee every morning, make sure it didn't have poison in it. That's not love. She has to choose and say yes. God gave them the freedom. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet, verse 17, he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops and their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food, fills your hearts with joy. In other words, he lets you go your own way, but he didn't stop caring for you and taking care of you. Just because he let you choose, it didn't mean he removed his hands. He still provided rain for you. Jesus said, God brings rain for the just and the unjust. God hasn't stopped caring for you. Even though he gave you the freedom to choose. In verse 18, even with these words, 
he had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. You don't see who God is. He's been taking care of you even though you've wandered so far away. Even though you've been blind to him and are worshiping things that are inanimate, made of silver or gold or wood or human flesh. And I know we, we can't distance ourselves from those things. Well, we don't worship that, but, you know, we still have our American idol syndrome. We have our own idols, people. I mean, look at the industry and where the money goes, whether it's in movie stars, whether it's in sports figures. We elevate and idolize people. We really do. And we give so much prominence to them and hear what they say as if it's special. And so actors will get on, you know, the screen and they'll speak on behalf of, you know, whatever. And everyone goes, oh, yeah, you know, actor so-and-so said that. Who's he? He's an actor. Usually they know nothing about the subject. They just play, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV kind of a thing. And we put our stock in things that have no value. And as Paul says, you guys, you're, you're settling way less. God has given you freedom, and he's cared for you. He's the one who's taking care of you. Why are you doing this? And they still had a hard time getting these people to sacrifice them. And then the scene changes. And in verse 19, some Jews came from Antioch. Now, that's 100-plus miles away. These guys came just for the purpose of stopping Paul and Barnabas. They were determined. They didn't like these guys, and they were determined to stop them. Some people just can't get their minds around anything bigger than what they see. The idea that God is doing something miraculous and working, that God became flesh and dwelt among us that the person of jesus did these things no we cannot see that we cannot wrap our minds around this we need to stop this and so they traveled a hundred plus miles on foot just to incite something against paul and whatever they did it worked they might have told them that they were demonic just like they accused jesus of it is by beelzebub the prince of demons that he casts out demons that he does these things whatever they did they tainted them got them to turn on them. And these people who wanted to worship Paul, make him a god, and even though he said, no, don't do it, then they tried to kill him. Stoned him, left him for dead. They thought he was dead outside the city and left him for dead. And this most likely is where 2 Corinthians chapter 12 takes place where Paul says, I had a vision whether he's in the body or not, I don't know. He talks about the messenger of Satan given to him to buffet him so that he wouldn't be exalted with the exceeding revelation that he received from God. A thorn in the flesh that they believe might have been a physical ailment that resulted from this. Maybe he was handicapped, crippled, maybe even blinded. 
we don't know. I mean, when you get smacked with giant rocks, it leaves a dent. And he was crushed probably in a lot of ways. And what do you do when you come into a city, they try to worship you, you do the right thing, and you say, no, there is the truth of the living God. And you barely can constrain them from doing something that is wrong and elevating you. You humble yourself. And then they still turn on you and try to kill you. What do you do? What do you do when people speak all manner of evil against you? Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. Bless them. That's really hard to do. But again, it comes back to perspective. Past few weeks, I've been bombarded with a few things not near this severe. <laughs> I'm here. But I, I've had some accusations made and, and uh, against me. I, I have a person who I, I'm working with and, and for and some problems that have arisen from there where one person is not divulging the truth and it's making me look bad. And everything in me in these circumstances wants to scream out and to justify myself and I'm going to make sure you know and I actually started to do that. I started writing a letter and I had my points and I was going to let, man, I was going to cover my bases. I was going to dot my I's, cross my T's and let them know exactly how things are. And if I would have taken this to court, I would have won. I, I was just gung-ho and I was, I had that laser vision. I was just locked in, you know, this is all I see. You know how that laser thing when the airplanes are going. Anyway, I just know that sound, you know, it locks in. I was just locked on target. That's what I was going for. I was set on my ways, and I, I'm right. I know I'm right. I can, I, can, I can prove this. And thankfully, I had friends who said, Hey, Sam, stop looking here. Let, let's look up here. Let's do this instead. And instead of getting caught up in the turmoil. Got to change my perspective. And you know what? God is limitless. What do I care? What can man do to me? If God is for me, who's against me? Paul could say that after nearly being stoned to death. He got up, went back in the city. One of the things that stands out to me here in verse 20, after he is left for dead outside the city, after the disciples had gathered around him. We don't know what they did. Did they just pray for him? Was Luke the physician there giving CPR? You know, did they have those jumper cables? You know, I mean, 
What, what did they do? It doesn't say, but you know what? They were there. They were around him. And I am so thankful for the people around me. I'm so thankful that there are people who come around me when I go through my bombardings. I need people to be there. And what they do is they represent God. In Romans chapter 12, verse 14, it says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. This is Paul's words. You know what? It's good to be able to laugh with people that laugh. And you know, you need to be able to cry with people who cry. You need to be able to go through those things with people who are going through those things because they need you there. Paul needed these guys around him. They had to help him. We need people around us. I remember years ago, I was just out of high school. I had a, a close friend of mine, and we, were, we actually had a, a house together. I guess you could call it a house. It's kind of a couple of rooms. Uh, and I went to church one time, and he was outside just sitting there, and his name was Michael, and I just walked up to him, and I just said, Michael, what's going on? And I saw that he was crying. And he said, my grandpa just died. And he was real close to his grandfather. And he just started crying. And I was just overwhelmed. I didn't know his grandfather, but I just hugged him and I started crying. And I wasn't planning on that. It, you know, looking back, it seems like that's kind of a sissy thing to do. But I couldn't help it. I, I cared about my friend and I saw him hurting and I hurt. You know, when our, our kids go through something, and they call us. And I recently got a phone call for one of my kids who's going through something. And when he's calling me and he's broken, I just want to cry. And I just want to say, I'm sorry, son. I'm sorry. And he, he, he just calls to hear my voice. Because he knows that there's someone on the other side of that phone who loves him. Someone who actually cares. We need to mourn with those who mourn. We need to care like God cares. And even when things get tough, and especially when things get tough, we need to be there for people. We need to. And it's hard. And it hurts. And you want to stop the pain. And you want to take the sickness away. And you want to fix the marriages. And you want to do these things. And we can't. We're but flesh. But there is a God who created the heavens and the earth. Who can do above and beyond what we ask or think. Who is able to reach into the heart of our lives. And who is limitless. And in spite of a person being left for dead. Is able to raise up this man. And use him in a powerful way. What are you facing God took a man who was on the verge of death, and this was just the beginning of his ministry. God was not limited. It was limitless. You're 
difficulties. They're not the end. God is so much bigger, so much bigger. And so what we need to do is make sure we don't fix our eyes on flesh, on people who are of similar passions as us. But we worship the one who created the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in it, who gives rain, provides for the earth, say there's over 5 trillion tons of water falls on the earth every year. 5 trillion tons. I can't, I don't, that's a big swimming pool. That, that's a lot of water. He's faithful, provides what's necessary to keep things going. He is so big. We need to Worship the God who, who made the heavens and the earth and lift our lives to him because he can do more than we can imagine. And he wants to in your lives right now. He wants to work where you're at right now. In my son's life, he wants to work. In my life, he wants to work. In your life, he wants to work. In Cynthia's life, he wants to work. Whatever circumstance you're going through, he wants to work. Recognize him. Pray to him. Learn of him. Allow him to be your God so that he can give you perspective that's past this bump in the road. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we ask, God, that you would give us eyes to see. Lord, once again, we are so entrapped by the temporary things. We put so much stock in things that do not last. God, give us eternal perspective. Help us to see you above anything else. May we not put confidence in men. The psalmist said, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Father, may we not trust in jobs. May we not trust in people. May we not trust in husbands. May we not trust in wives. May we trust in you. And trust you for our jobs, for our children, for our husbands, our wives. Trust you for the things that we cannot change. You can do amazing things. God, we want to trust in you. Let's worship again. Let's sing a song before the Lord and just allow our hearts to maintain this attitude and perspective of who God is.
Jesus conquered the grave. 